0: And use code J10 at checkout for 10% off any herbal supplements through June 30. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Have you ever been in a relationship where once you broke up you felt like you could finally go back to being yourself? Where you realized you were only doing and saying things to make the other person happy or keep them from fighting? Or maybe you had the experience at a job where you performed in a way that wasn't really you, but you did it to advance or to keep from making waves. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose. Thank you so much for being back. I really mean that. I really, really do. I've been bumping into so many of you on hikes or when I'm out on the streets and I love hearing how much this podcast means to you and how it helps you and serves you. It means the world to me and I love reading all your reviews. If you haven't left one yet, please, please, please go and leave a review. We have over 15,000 five-star reviews. It's it's truly, truly amazing. And It's been an amazing few months on the podcast. We've had Oprah on the podcast. We've had the one and only Will Smith. This year, we've had J-Lo. We've had Big Sean. We've had Janae Aiko. If you have not heard those episodes, make sure you go back and listen to them because they were game changers for the people who did. And today is going to be no different. Today is all about why we can't change people. The four reasons we try anyway and how to build tolerance, patience, and compassion instead. How many of you know someone you wish would change? How many of you, put your hands up high, have tried to change someone in your life? And how many of you are nodding along right now because you failed to change someone? I hear it all the time. If only my partner could change, she'd be perfect. If only my family understood why they were wrong, we wouldn't fight so much. If only my colleague had a different work style, we'd get things done so much faster. If only my boss had a brain, the world would be a better place. There's a common saying that women get into relationship believing that over time, their partner will change while men get into relationships believing that over time, their partner will always stay the same. Now, the top three reasons couples fight are money, sex, and kids. And the number one reason most couples divorce is that they don't agree on money issues. And check this out. In 2019, The Atlantic published an article where they asked US Democrats and Republicans what they thought the other party believed, and they were mostly wrong. For example, Republicans thought that about 70% of Democrats believed that borders should be totally open to immigration. In reality, that number is closer to just 40%. The Democrats thought that maybe half of Republicans supported some kind of legal immigration plan, when in reality, more like 85% supported it. If you're spending a lot of time and energy thinking about the ways in which others need to change, or you're actively trying to get people to change, you're wasting your energy. For one, we often don't truly understand what's going on with other people in the first place. Those things we think they need to change may be off the mark. And as we'll discuss today, when it comes down to it, we really can't change other people. Today we're talking about the four reasons we try to change others and how we can cultivate the tolerance, patience and compassion that we need instead. There's an old Zen fable that goes like this. A mischievous young man catches a bird and hides it behind his back as he approaches his teacher. Teacher, the young man says, I'm holding a bird. Can you tell me is it alive or is it dead? The young man means to trick his teacher. If his teacher says that the bird is dead, the man will hold it out and release it to prove him wrong. If he says it's living, he will break the bird's neck and then hold it out. The teacher looks at his student and says quietly and calmly, "Young man." the answer to that question is in your hands. I love that story because it helps us realize how much we have to take responsibility for answering those questions. I titled my first book, Think Like a Monk, because I believe the monk mindset is a valuable one for finding peace and purpose. At its heart to me, the monk mindset is about mastering one's perspective. Instead of trying to force a change in our circumstances, such as avoiding a change we don't want to experience or trying to always be comfortable, a monk will take the situation they're given and shift their mindset to work in harmony with their circumstances. As this wise teacher was telling his student, the way that the world is, is in our hands. It comes not only to our actions, but to the way we perceive it and the way we choose to interact with it. Instead, however, most of us seek to change the world and the people around us. And I realized this. Now, when I'm saying you can't change people, I'm not saying we can't change the world, that we can't impact the world. But what I'm saying is that in the process of trying to positively impact the world, we are changing ourselves. And often we try to change people who don't want our influence. There are plenty of people in our life who do want our influence, who do want to change through our work or our words or our involvement in their life. But often we get so addicted and obsessed with trying to change people that don't actually allow us to be influential in their life. Three things that happen when we try and change people. Think of what happens when we apply pressure to something. It tends to push back, right? It's force meeting force. Look at boxing. One person punches and the other person punches back. In the end, there's usually a winner, but both participants end up exhausted and beat up. I bet you've experienced that in a relationship before. When we fight and push people to change, that's the first thing that can happen. One person may win, at least on the surface or temporarily, but both are exhausted and the relationship is hurt as a result. The second thing that happens when we try and change people is that they do change, or at least they change what they show us. More often than not, this isn't deep. This type of change, it's a performance. Have you ever been in a relationship where once you broke up, you felt like you could finally go back to being yourself? where you realized you were only doing and saying things to make the other person happy or keep them from fighting. Or maybe you had the experience at a job where you performed in a way that wasn't really you, but you did it to advance or to keep from making waves. Instead of deeply shifting who we are or what we believe, we merely shape shift. We're like Mystique in the X-Men. I'm a big, big X-Men fan, right? She changes her outer presentation to fit in. And again, that's exhausting and it's deeply dissatisfying. The third thing that happens when we try to change someone is that they start to avoid us or to avoid the situations they know bother us. They don't engage us directly by pushing back or try and change who they're presenting to us. They just try and escape dealing with us or they avoid talking about topics that might upset us. In other words, when people try and push us to change, we usually either fight, we fake or we flee. How many of you know that you've done that before? When someone's trying to change you, you either fake it to them that you've changed, you fight them, or you try and flee them. And same way, how many times have people done that to you? Do any of these situations sound familiar? Do any of them sound like something you want in your life? None of us want this in our life. So why do we try and change others even though we really can't? Let's look at some of the reasons behind our motivation starting with the biggest one. Reason one, the first reason we try and change people is that we care more for comfort than change. We don't like the discomfort of difference, and so rather than doing the work of understanding and communication, we try and change those who challenge us in some way. We try to make the world around us more comfortable instead of working to become more understanding, compassionate, and patient, or seeking to learn so that we can broaden our own perspective. This is what happens when we create echo chambers. We seek to spend time only with people who see the world the same way or to expose ourselves to news and media that support what we already believe instead of challenging ourselves. Much of the time when we want someone else to change, it's because we're avoiding change ourselves. We either don't want to broaden our own perspective or we want the other person to change so that we don't have to change our circumstances. We don't want to end the relationship or look for a new job, for example. This story is based on actual people, but I've changed the names and identifying characteristics that preserve their privacy. Ben and Sarah had a pretty solid relationship. They agreed on most things. They rarely fought. But over the years, Ben began to realize that he wasn't happy in life. It wasn't Sarah, it wasn't his job, but something just wasn't working. He felt more and more depressed and anxious without being able to explain why. One day, one of Ben's friends forwarded him an email about an upcoming meditation retreat. Ben had never tried meditation and wasn't at all spiritual, but he figured, why not? He approached Sarah about the idea and she said, sure, if you want. The weekend ended up being life-changing for Ben. He was able to connect with a sense of peace he hadn't experienced before. He met lots of interesting new people. And suddenly, he had all these questions about life that he wanted to explore. He started reading spiritual texts and meeting with a weekly meditation group. At first, Sarah was happy for Ben, but after a while, she became irritated. Ben's new interest in spirituality was taking away time from her. She became resentful, and when Ben invited her to come along to a meditation retreat, Sarah refused. Their relationship started to become strained. Each thought the other should change. Here's the question. Who was right? Should Ben give up his meditation groups or volunteering? Or should Sarah start joining? The reason I love this scenario is its complexity. The answer is whether Ben or Sarah should change is the wrong question. The real question is, how might both Ben and Sarah change their perspective to broaden their view of the challenge they're experiencing? When we pit one against the other and say one must be right and one must be wrong, like in a boxing match, everyone in some way loses. A monk might look at this and ask Ben, Ben, where is Sarah right? And then ask Sarah, Sarah, where is Ben right? That's one way to start building more tolerance, patience, and compassion. Ask, where is the other person right? Where can I understand where they're coming from? Instead, what we usually focus on is, what's wrong with what I'm doing? There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. Ben is right in that he's following his heart and doing something deeply meaningful to feel peace and happiness in his life. Sarah is right in that it's fine to not engage in everything your partner is doing and to preserve your own identity. Once Ben and Sarah can acknowledge those things, they can look at this question. What else is also true here? By insisting that the other change, what change are you avoiding yourself? What is it that you fear? Sarah fears giving meditation a chance because she doesn't know it could change her life. She doesn't know another way to be. That's a common reason we refuse not to change, even if it's something like a damaging behavior or habit, like quitting smoking. We don't try to change because we don't know who will be without it. Sarah is afraid of stepping into the gap between who she is and who she may become. Ben fears that if Sarah doesn't change, their relationship could end. He wants to share his insights and experiences with her. And he's afraid that he will grow to be dissatisfied with her if she doesn't want to engage with life in a similar way. Now I can't give you an easy answer here about what this couple should do. It's rarely that simple. The point is that if we can allow ourselves to get into that space of vulnerability where we're having real conversation about what's really going on and what we're really afraid of, we will by nature have more empathy and patience for one another in the process. We don't know the outcome, we have to let that go, but we can engage with the process thoughtfully. In fact, that's all we can really do. From there, it will be up to Ben and Sarah to decide if it's necessary to them and their relationship that they see the world the same way. Can they still honor their own deep values and be together, or does it require change? One thing's certain, for their relationship to be successful, it will require a shift in perspective on both of their parts. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen, CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. On Purpose with Jay Shetty is brought to you by Booking.com, Booking.yeah. Many of you know that one of the most important aspects of my life is my connection with others. Travel has become one of the best ways for me to connect with people whether that be my community, my family, friends, or loved ones, or all of you. Most of my family lives outside of the US, so traveling around the holidays, birthdays, or other special occasions is something that we're accustomed to. As we grow older, oftentimes our families or loved ones end up living in different areas as us, making it challenging to get together due to various schedules and commitments. With Booking.com, I'm able to efficiently book travel and accommodations for everyone in my family, so that we can spend quality time together. They also make it easy to book travel for the various types of travelers in my family, so that each person in my family can authentically be the traveler they want to be, no matter the destination. Once a year, my family takes a trip together to a US destination where none of us live or are visited. We find this helpful in making sure that everyone is truly present and able to unplug from their normal routines, resulting in more meaningful conversations and connections. Experiencing new places with those close to you allows you to bond over a shared experience. Booking.com's breadth and variety of accommodations in the U.S. has made the destination selection and booking process not only easy, but fun. Travel can also foster new connections. Visiting different cities has allowed me to build connections with all of you, my community, most of whom I've never met in person and otherwise would have not crossed paths with. The in-person relationships that are built and strengthened through travel is something that each of us can benefit from. Book whoever you want to be on Booking.com, booking.yeah. I've got to say, herbs have been a game changer in my wellness routine, all thanks to my Indian upbringing. My mom was the one who got me started on them way back when. I've seen how they can do wonders for both body and the mind. One of my favorites is ashwagandha, which is an adaptogenic herb That helps reduce stress. I usually take it in the morning with my breakfast and it helps me stay cool, calm and collected throughout the day. Our sponsor Nature's Way has ashwagandha as well as herbs like St. John's Wort and Holy Basil that provide mood and stress support. They have over 50 years of experience sourcing herbs from all over the world in the continents and climates where they grow best. Nature's Way rigorously tests every batch of herbs for potency and purity in their state-of-the-art lab. To learn more, visit naturesway.com forward slash herbs and use code J10 at checkout for 10% off any herbal supplements. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. The second reason we try to change others is because of our own narrow thinking. We don't understand why people are the way they are or why they believe or behave as they do. We can't imagine anyone thinking differently from us. Again, I'm not going to get into any specific issues, but political divides are a great example of this. We're shaped by the systems we're in and the experiences we've had, and unless we listen to other people's stories, we just can't wrap our heads around why people are the way they are or what's influenced them. If we don't know about their background, their parenting, if we don't know about their upbringing, it's really hard to understand why they are. Now, if you've got a friend or a family member who you completely disagree with, but you actually want to get to a healthier place with, first, you've got to talk to them in person, right? It has to be face-to-face contact that humanizes us. Psychological studies show that when we communicate electronically via text or email or social media messaging, we tend to have far less empathy for one another than when we engage in person or over the phone. We see this in the extreme phenomenon of trolling, and Buddhist monk Titnat Han, in his book, How to Fight, writes, Never in human history have we had so many means of communication. Television, radio, telephone, fax, email, the internet. Yet we remain islands with little real communication between us. When we cannot communicate, we suffer and we spill our suffering onto other people. So you want to sit down with that person or get on a call to talk things through. And here's the thing, the point of the call is not to change their mind and show them how they're wrong and you're right. The point is to find where you think they're right. It is to find where you both have common ground. To do that, you have to be able to dive beneath the waves and the controversy of individual issues to where you have common beliefs you can ask what is your core belief behind the issue. Maybe you have different approaches to how school should be run, for example, but you both believe that every child deserves access to a high-quality education. Once you find some common ground, you want to engage your curiosity. With no agenda other than to learn, ask if they would mind sharing with you why they believe their way to ensure this kind of education for every child is the most viable or effective. And when you come upon a point when you are confused or don't agree, don't argue. You can disagree but not argue. You can explain and understand but not need to argue. Now, the third reason we try to change others is related to reason number two, but it's slightly different. It's that we think we're right. We don't just think we're right. We know it. We're self-righteous. We're so convinced of our own rightness that we won't allow ourselves to consider that someone else could be right or that we could both be right or neither of us could be right. I often say to Radhi, I'm like, look, literally, I don't think we're both right right now. I think both of us are just being stubborn and I'll call it out. And I found that calling out that both of us are acting a certain way is so much better than calling out that one person is acting that way. One of the reasons for this is something called cognitive dissonance. The theory states that we are motivated to feel harmony and that our thoughts and actions are in line with our values and beliefs. Or in other words, that we're right. (laughs) When we feel like something is out of line or sense, we could be wrong. We shift our perceptions to keep us feeling like we're in the right. Researchers took a group of subjects and had them undertake two sets of tasks. First, they had a tray and 12 spools. They had to put the spools into the tray, empty the tray, and put the spools back over and over again for 30 minutes. Then the experimenters had the subjects do another equally boring task, having to turn 48 wooden pegs one quarter turn at a time. Finally, at what they thought was the end of the study, the experimenter told the subjects that there was another group of subjects coming and he needed one of them to volunteer to explain the task for them. Additionally, they had to tell the subjects that the tasks were fun, interesting and intriguing. In other words, they had to lie. Later, both groups of participants actually rated the task to be not as boring as a third group who is never asked to lie. In other words, those who lied and said the task was fun later rated the task as having been more fun than those who'd never lied about it. They changed their assessment of the task to be closer to the lie they're told because they didn't want to think of themselves as having lied. We will actually change how we perceive the world to match what we've said, even if we know we don't truly feel that way. One of the reasons it's hard to do that, to open our minds to what others' points of view, is cognitive dissonance. But it's also our egos. If we have tied our sense of identity to our rightness, it's very hard to have compassion or empathy or tolerance or to be open to shifting our own world view. Instead, we're more flexible and open-minded when we tie our identity to growth and learning. This is something Julia Galla, founder of the Center for Applied Rationality, calls the scout mindset. When we have a scout mindset, we value seeing things as they actually are. The final reason we push others to change is that we don't understand the value of diversity. This links to cognitive dissonance, where we value harmony over learning. We don't understand that a diversity of views and opinions and even some disagreement over those views is not only healthy, it also helps us achieve more and better. According to an MIT study looking at what makes teams successful, it's not having superstar intellects and geniuses on the team. One of the key factors is for the team's success is that many different people contribute, so team members get to hear many different points of view. In another study, researchers took 200 people and created mock jury panels comprised of six people per panel. On some panels, all participants were white. On others, there was a mixture of black and white panelists. They were then shown a video of a trial with a black defendant and white plaintiffs and asked to come to a consensus about whether or not the defendant was guilty. When discussing the case, the diverse jury groups were more likely to have deeper, more meaningful discussions of the facts of the case and they made fewer factual errors than the jury groups where everyone was white. Another study showed that diverse teams were also more likely to price stocks more accurately than homogenous teams. One of the reasons we try to change other people to think or act more like us is that we don't understand that it actually serves us to be exposed to people who think differently. That's one of the points of the podcast. I love interviewing people from so many different backgrounds and so many different walks of life because we all learn more together. As Dennis Waitley once advised, change the changeable, accept the unchangeable and remove yourself from the unacceptable. I would add to that, and learn wherever you can. If I've challenged or complicated your thinking a bit today, good. One of the reasons we try and change others is that our thinking is too binary and too simplistic. We are complex and rich, and we both shape and are shaped by the world around us. Solutions are rarely about who's right and who's wrong, and at the end of the day, lots of us would benefit from changing some things. If we can learn to pay more attention to questioning our own perceptions and to cleansing the lens through which we're looking rather than presuming our way is the best way, that is the monk mindset. And when we can begin to truly listen to one another and find common ground and understand that in digging deep into tough issues, diversity of thought and opinion is our ally, we will begin to understand that sometimes the people who need the most tolerance, patience, and empathy is us for ourselves. I wanted to share with you one final idea. I know that I spent most of this episode on you, not the person you want to change. And that's really the point because that's all we can control, our own perspective. Change and the motivation to change are an inside job. But if we truly want to support someone in making a change and getting motivated, what we don't want to do is withhold our love from them until they make that change. This is also from my teacher Radhanath Swami who writes, sometimes we wait for love to come to us. And in the process, we withhold our love. But that withholding is actually keeping us from the love we seek. Sometimes loving someone exactly where they are on its own creates a profound shift. When we feel safe and loved for who we are, we actually feel safer to change. So rather than list all the ways you wish someone else would change or were different, try loving them where they are and let that love work its own magic on both of you. And the same goes for you. Try loving yourself where you are right now and watch what happens. Thank you so much for listening to On Purpose today. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that you'll share it. Tag me on Instagram, on Twitter with what you're learning and what you're gaining. And I'll see you again next week. Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone.